Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner here on a Thursday with Colton Pouncey to talk some Michigan State football. No Jim Harbaugh talk on this episode, Colton. We're going to leave that for uh, the other 20 shows. But the, today, Michigan State, of course, Colton uh, was able to get that game in against Ohio State on Saturday. Did not go well, uh, despite Ohio State being down, you know, 23 players, whatever it was, four coaches, including Ryan Day. Uh, 52-12 final score, Penn State on Saturday to finish up the regular season, and then I suppose we'll see about the extra game. Before we get into anything about this week or next week, um, I do want to go back, and I know it's been a couple days, but I do want to go back because I think that, you know, Colton, I think Mel Tucker probably, and you were on the call Tuesday for his weekly availability, you know, I, I don't know if salty is the right word. I don't think salty was is what I would use, but, like, he's, like, sick of the shit, yep. I think, a little bit. Like, I think that that's... <laughs> That's what I would say. It seems like a guy, like, it seems like a dad who's like, I told you guys, you know, like, stop hitting the back of my seat, right? <laughs> so many times I'm going to, you know, and I think that it seemed like to me anyway, the the self-created issues we've talked about all year that have made Michigan State's games look so much worse at times than they if ever needed to, they bubbled over. And I think that Mel Tucker didn't explode, but he was... He, he wanted us to, I think, know that he was hot about it. And I think he wanted us to know that the, he told the team he was hot about it uh, because those are controllables that they can control. And those are things that, you know, pandemic or no, injuries or no, that has to start getting better right now. And I think that uh, that was a fair point, uh, you know, there by Mel Tucker. You know what Mel kind of reminded me of uh, after the game Saturday? Um, kind, yeah. Like, kind of reminded me of the late, great Kobe Bryant, art, rest in peace, uh, yeah. with the Lakers and like the, you know, the, Right after their championship oh, run, and about. he was with that, yeah, those terrible players, and he was yeah. just like sick of all of it. That's what Mel reminded me of Saturday. Um, like throwing the ball at practice. Yeah, and being just like, like soft, soft. Yeah, that, right. That's kind of what he reminded me of. But, you know, yeah, after the yeah. game, you know, he really 
didn't hold back. And he, really the last month or so, he hasn't held back um, with his right. comments. You know, he was kind of like, well, thank God we have another game because I did not want to see yeah. us end the season like this. And I don't know exactly where that comes from. I think he sees some things in practice. He's seen some improvement in games. It's just, you know, he talks about consistency and performance a lot. So I think that's what he wants to see. And when he doesn't see that, even if you're not winning against a team like Ohio State, he wants to see at least some of the things that have gotten them some wins that probably some people didn't expect. Um, and that's just been here and there. It's, you know, it hasn't been consistent all season. So I think when he doesn't see that, it, it kind of boils him up a little bit and he gets, uh, he gets a little hot at those press conferences. But I think for us, at least, it's kind of entertaining. You know, he's showing some fire um, late in the season, mm-hmm. showing that he wants to get this team um, in the right direction. But, uh, I mean, he kind of needs some of these players to, to do the same. Yeah, he needs better talent, of course, but the culture uh, is it, – it, that's the culture. It's it's the no mistakes. And, you know, we can go back to, you know, some of Mark D'Antonio's best teams. Um, when I go back and look at them and remember them, you know, because you know, I wasn't covering Michigan State every day, but, you know, I'm covering Michigan, covering the Big Ten. I know, you know, everything that's going on there, obviously. But you can, you can go back and you remember 2013 was a terrific team. 2011 was a very good team. And he had some earlier than that. 14 was great. 15 was great. Those teams never and especially like 13 and 14 they never ever put themselves in a situation where they self-inflicted themselves out of a game yeah. you did it they didn't and at the end they, it was trestle ball in a lot of ways but it was also like with D'Antonio's spin in that they were very good about not only taking advantage of your mistakes but just never doing the same little dumb stupid things at like you know, you know, Colton. We we can watch a hundred college football games in a Saturday and see that sort of thing happen, like with ninety percent of the teams. Mm-hmm. And the ten percent of the teams that are the best are the ones that don't do it. They don't hit somebody out of bounds late, you know, in a blowout game. Anyway, they don't, you know, have a miscommunication on the first offensive snap of the game. You know, like when the other team fumbles, they recover it. That sort of stuff. And that, you know, I believe is just focus detail and the guys that he has here right now. And that's the thing he's preaching. I think a lot, as much as anything, you know, talent, talent is only going to get you to a certain point. And here they're not going to be able to recruit, you know, like Alabama, right. They can recruit better and they can get a lot of, you know, really good players and they can get better players and, you know, et cetera and all that, you know, and if Michigan continues to struggle, you know, maybe Michigan state's recruiting fortunes improve. I mean, that's, we've seen that happen before too. So that could happen. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to matter if they're not playing that sort of, you know, self-contained, like, we are not here to screw you. You guys have got to execute. You, you know, I can't tell you the number of times that I saw Mark D'Antonio teams make the money play, even if it was boring, just, you know, in the moment. And they, and they did it all the time. That's why those teams were very, very good and really, really hard to play against. And I think that's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen enough of it from the older players, which makes me wonder now, you know, when he talks about roster turnover, that might be where some of that is. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there. I mean, all of Mark D'Antonio's teams, at least you know when he had that that program up and running, uh, were fundamentally sound. They weren't beating themselves, and that's mm-hmm. the exact opposite of what we've seen this year. Yeah, and you want to give them a break because of you know all the things that we know, and um, you know no off season basically, and, and a pandemic yeah. and all that stuff. But at the same time, like we're at the end of the season, they're still making mistakes from week one, and I think that's probably what is pissing Mel Tucker off in these press conferences after yeah. games and, and things like that. Um, but I think you're right with with roster turnover. That's something that's he's kind of talked about a lot, uh, really mm-hmm. this month and and the end of last month. Just saying, look, we got to get some guys in here. Um, you know, obviously, 
the, the discipline and, and technique and all that stuff, that stuff is going to matter. But I think it starts yeah. with getting your own players in the system, in, in what you want to do in the program, and then kind of instilling, you know, that mindset of neutral thinking and, you know, keep yeah. playing the next snap. Like once you get your guys in and you can all teach them and they're not learning different things from different coaches in different years, I think that's going to help you a lot. And we've said that they've got some guys that do it. You know, they've got some like Antoine Simmons has done it. They've got some guys that have been willing to and able to, you know, sort of buy in with it. And some guys I think are trying and they're just, you know, maybe their ability level is not quite there. But, you know, in general, you know, by this point in the year, you you really would like to see some of those, you know, hiccups and all the things that we've talked about that sort of contribute to, um, you know, terrible field position for your defense. And again, like I would say this, I would I, I think Michigan State defensively is going to be better sooner than people might realize. Mm-hmm. I think that Scotty Hazleton has a really nice resume. I think he's been able to do some good things in other places. I thought I think he's done good things here. Obviously, we know what Mel Tucker's resume is defensively too. And then you look at the roster, and you know they've got guys. We've talked about this. You know, guys up front. Um, they got some guys on the back end. You know, you're still trying to work through some things with. Uh, maybe some other guys on the roster, and we'll see if, you know, what's going on with a guy like Julian Barnett. I still, you know, obviously you can get more from a guy like that, but, you know, the talent needs an upgrade everywhere, but I think defensively they're closer probably than than we realize, but they're sabotaging themselves. It's the same thing that we saw from D'Antonio's last, you know, three teams, and it's because recruiting has fallen off, and it's because they got a little sloppy with attention to detail, and I think a lot of guys got really comfortable with you know, just externally looking inside, I think a lot of guys got really comfortable with, you know, sort of, I was here first. This is a program seniority thing. This is a hierarchy and this is how it's going to go. And that's no longer the case. I think obviously coaching changes are going to make older players more nervous. And, you know, maybe you could have some pushback on that in terms of guys buying in right away. But I would also caution anyone who's ready to give up on any of those older. And when I say older, I mean like junior, you know, redshirt junior even, or, you know, maybe even a third year guy. I wouldn't give up on any of them yet either because obviously this has been a weird year and everything else. But yeah, I mean, I he said it, Colton, all year. Um, it's going to look pretty different, I would think, uh, moving forward. Transfer portal, JUCO, possibly. You don't want to get too much with that maybe, but you know, whatever you can do to find guys that can come in here and take somebody's job. That's what I remember years and years ago uh, when I was covering Willie Taggart. He, that was one of the first things he said when I was – this was my first job covering college football – the job of a head coach when he comes in to take a first job, you know, right away is to go out and find kids that can come in here and take every guy on the team who has a job, come in and take their jobs. Because that's the only way you're going to get better is by, you know, basically shocking them into improving and finding really good talent capable of that. And then you've got competition and then you've got something going. And that's sort of what's missing here. Yeah. And and just to go back to that Ohio State game real quick. I mean, Mel Tucker did say... Look, if there is a mistake, that was just a matter of us being out talent, out talented, or you know the other squad having more athleticism than us. And, you know we can live with that mm-hmm. for now because we're working on that. We're trying yeah. to bring in better players. But again, it was the self inflicted stuff that really kind of hurt them. Um, but in terms of yeah, acquiring talent and and the message to older players, Mel has let those dudes, those upperclassmen, know that this is going to be about competition. Um, yeah, that keeps them on their toes. You know they can either buy in or hit the portal. It's really that simple. And and what it does for the younger guys and the guys that you're trying to recruit, you can then say to them, well, look, we don't care if you're a freshman or a senior. Like, we're going to play the best guys. So come in here, compete, mm-hmm. and we'll get you on the field if you earned it. So what that does is it just elevates the level of competition on your entire squad, elevates the level of talent if you can bring in those guys. And that just makes you a better program. And I think that's kind of the mindset they're trying to drive home. It's tough to do right now when you don't have your players in yet and you can't really fully 
transform the roster in the way you want to, but I think that's yeah. what we'll see a lot this offseason and, and going forward. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, I do wonder too, like I wonder if they were caught, you know, and maybe this is another layer here that, you know, that was maybe further complicates things that, you know, you know, was this program caught in the weird, you know, because sometimes when a program starts over after a coach has been there for a long time um, and had a lot of success, you know, sometimes it's obvious and it's like obvious to everyone that it has to start over. I don't think it was obvious to everyone that Michigan State needed to start over uh, from Mark Antonio. Yeah. I don't think it was. I don't think it was obvious to everyone. And certainly we can go back to like last December. It absolutely wasn't obvious to everyone, including Mark Antonio. So I do wonder if like they maybe got caught into some of that. Like, hey, man, we had a pretty good thing going here. You know, we were we were winning. It wasn't that long ago that we were, you know, that we were in the playoff. Yeah. And Mel Tucker coming in and saying, hey, man, college football uh, isn't here for what you did five years ago or even three years ago. This game moves so fast yes. <laughs> and changes so rapidly that any pushback, you know, you don't have time for it. And I think that that's what I see, you know, when I look at or when we listen to, you know, Tucker talk and you can hear the frustration in his voice. I think it's that he knows, like... This, this, especially in college now. I mean, it changes so quick that you can't have, you can't mess around and wait around for a guy to decide if he's going to give you, you know, like yeah. give you everything he has. And so difficult conversations have to happen. And I would assume that, you know, when this season is over, you know, some of those Zoom calls, Colton, <laughs> they're not going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be a lot of fun for some guys, but it's just nature of it. I mean, now you... I mean, we've talked about this the whole time. I, I don't think, and you have a better sense of this than me. I don't. I don't assume there's a lot of pushback from Michigan State fans on the whole. Like, what do you mean? Are you going to run guys out of here? Like, what's up with that? That's kind of that's kind of shady. I don't. I don't think that people think that anymore. I think that that's just an accepted sort of a scholarship is sort of a mutual 
You know, like mm-hmm. you, you know, we love you as a player. We want to come in here and let you make you part of our family and give you all the things that we can give you. But you have to come in here and make us better too. Yeah. And you know that has to be you know taken into account. Here. Yeah. What's what's the Michigan State fans read on this? What do you like? What's their reaction to that? I'm glad you asked, and I'm, I'm actually glad you brought this point out because it's a yeah. really good point to make. Um, like I've mentioned in articles that what we're mm-hmm. seeing is part of the process. It's part of the rebuild. Everything that's kind of unfolding this year, we should have seen it coming. And whenever yeah. I use the word rebuild. I feel like a lot of yeah. MSU fans kind of kind of jump on me, and they're like, "Well, what do you mean this yeah. is a rebuild? We were, we were so successful in the past decade. We did this. We did that. Look, I'm not here to kind of, you know, uh, try to bring down your accomplishments of the last decade or so. Like that's not what I'm trying to do. But at the same time, if you think you're still that program that was in the Big Ten championship all those years, that was in the college football playoff, I got, you know. It's, it's just it's reality. a different world even with that. Yeah, right. It's a different exactly. world now. And I think Mel Tucker understands that. And again, I think having the success that Michigan State has had has made it a little harder in a way because you look at a program like Rutgers, Greg Schiano comes in, he's like, we got to change everything. I'm going to bring in all these transfers. You know, no one's no one's spot is safe. Everyone's like, yes, thank you. Thank God that we have someone here coming. But Michigan right. State, because D'Antonio was such a legendary coach and did so many like great things at the school, I think that... Any mention of, hey, we got to change some things to get back to where he was, I think people kind of are like, well, what do you mean? Like, what what is the culture yeah. change you're talking about? What Like, I felt like our culture was pretty good. And it's not a disrespect thing. It's just a different set of standards, a different set of, you know, philosophies that are, that are coming in with this new coaching staff that they want to do things differently. And I think the sooner yeah. people realize that, maybe the fastest rebuild will go. And for, if you're watching from afar – It'll feel like maybe less painful if you understand what's happening behind the scenes and what the coaches are trying to do. And mm-hmm. it's it's beyond scheme and everything like that. It's it's mindset. It's everything that Mel Tucker talks about with his neutral thinking approach. Like these are two different coaches, two different um, schools of thought, and we're seeing it take place. And I think it's it's really that simple. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that you know rebuild can mean a few different things, and you know it can be in varying degrees too. You know, you can have varying degrees of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, Michigan State's situation would be toward the, you know, if if things, if like if Mel Tucker had gotten the job in January and we hadn't had a pandemic, um, I don't think that, I mean, we would probably call it a rebuild, but it, it would probably be like a short term-ish rebuild. Yeah, I think rebuild it, has it, a negative connotation and it doesn't yeah, always yeah, have to yeah. do that that way and people cannot right. shake that thinking. So Yeah, and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a fair point and I think that I can understand that on some level. But yeah, I think what we would have called, maybe we would have developed a different word for it or something or whatever. But like, you know, I mean, it wouldn't have been something where we say, okay, you know, obviously they've got to change some things. They've got to get some, you know, get some dead weight out and, you know, get some of the bad out. It's the stuff that's not working anyway. I don't want to say dead weight or bad, but, you know, fix the broken stuff, enhance the good stuff and kind of go forward. And maybe it won't take that long and, you know, maybe it'll take sooner than later, that kind of thing. Uh, but it would have been a, a massive retooling, no matter what you look at, no matter how you look at it, because you're changing over and D'Antonio's, and that's the other way to look at that. That's what I would say to the people that didn't think it was a rebuild, or the people that didn't think that he needed to leave. I'm tr- I'm promising you, if if this is conti- if it had continued the way that it was continuing, they wouldn't. I, would they have won a game? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. Maybe I guess in this year, yeah. but I, I, it's hard to see that changing at that point. D'Antonio was exhausted. He was burned out. It wasn't working. All the things we've talked about, he was older, everything else. And the time was right. You got to move on. And when you got to move on, new things have to happen. And old coaching tenures, I think, you know, 
as hard as it is for fans to sort of separate program from coach, coach coaching runs, I think, kind of have to be self-contained. And you have to, when, when that file, you know, when that run ends, you have to file it and you say, okay, well, that was that 10 years or whatever. That's, we'll remember that fondly and or whatever you want to, however you want to remember it. If you don't want to remember it fondly, that's your choice. But like you remember it for what it was and then you move forward and you, and you hope that, you know, there's enough, you know, you hope that the, the restart, I suppose, is less painful because the guy prior did a better job than the guy before him, and which in this case is true. So mm. your hope is that the rebuild doesn't take forever. And I don't I don't think that it will, even in this setting. Right. Um, but, you know, it's not going to be overnight. And, you know, you can get the frustration from Mel Tucker. But I also I think that's a message sent to a lot of people who were wondering, like, no, they're not just going to sit here and, like, pretend that none of this counts you know that's not the message you want to send either and you want to be you want to be upset when you get beat 52 to 12 at home you know even if there's no fans there to see it and I think that's probably my takeaway if anything else here yeah I mean the coaches I've talked to a lot of prospects that are committed to Michigan State or have been in talks with Michigan State and they know this is a rebuild because they hear that from the coaches themselves (laughs) like that's what they say hey this is going to take time like you know the product you see on the field might be a little rough but hey we're going to get you in here we're going to get some other guys in here and we're going to turn around like a lot of the commits know that. Yep. And like you, see, you even see some of them, like Michael Gravely, their safety commit from Ohio, he took to Twitter and was like, relax, everyone. Like, we know what this is. Yeah, right. right. Um, so, like, they know this is a rebuild. And honestly, like, that's the whole reason you brought in Mel Tucker to recruit, to, mm-hmm. to upgrade, um, to modernize, all of that stuff is, is what he's here to do. You know, D'Antonio yep. came out the day he retired and basically said, yeah, I couldn't tell recruits that I was going to be here when I didn't know for right. myself. You know, I didn't want yeah. to adapt with the new recruiting calendars and all the things you have to do to keep up with that. You know, I was at this point in my life, I'm just trying to like make it easier and simplify things. That's what he said. And like when you have a coach who reaches that point, it's time to move on. It's time to bring in someone else that's going to get you there and kind of pass on the torch to the next guy. And that's and that's Mel Tucker. And, you know, we're going to have to see it's, it's not going to be a one year thing. And he's always said that this is not going to happen overnight. Um, you got to give them some time to see if it'll work or not. But the strides that they're making in, in recruiting and, you know, beating a couple of top 15 teams like that this year, I think those are things that you can feel good about and, and part of the process early on. Um, but again, ultimately, we'll have to see where this goes. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, especially defensively, and I still, we get questions a lot about the offensive line. There are, there are some nice workable prospects here, um, good players who I think can be guys that you look back on and say, you know they're gonna. Ha- I think guys that'll that'll help with whatever this foundation is. You know I don't know if I don't know if there's a lot of game changers. I would say on this roster right now, and that's really what you're looking for if you're if you're Mel Tucker. But yeah. you know, in addition to, you're also looking for more of those foundational guys. You know, guys. And when I say that, I mean guys like. And we've seen it from you know Xavier Henderson. We've seen it from Shakur Brown. We've seen it from. Uh, obviously Antoine, he's older, but like, you know, the guys up front defensively, some of those linemen that have rounded into form and just gotten better every week. Mm-hmm. Angelo Gross is a freshman. I mean, yeah. like younger guys that you're, that you're seeing, you know, uh, offensively, you know, what they, you know, Jaden Reed is a kid who is so talented and still learning and maybe he becomes a game breaker, but bottom line, either way, he's probably going to be a guy you can lean on, right? He seems like he's in here for it. Yeah. So they have guys, you know, but it's, uh, it's not enough. And they really did, I feel like, I just I felt like they missed out on that on that ability to bring in some of your own guys 
put them into the pool and let them intermingle and let, you know, what's the, and let them just sort of, what's the catfish swim around and stir everybody, you know, like that's like, get everybody going. And I think that they didn't have that this year. And I think that that's obviously been missing. And I think it'll be much different next year and it'll be more telling to see how that goes. But obviously next year isn't here yet uh, as Michigan state has another regular season game Saturday Gruff Sparty helmets, Colton. Is that right for Penn State? Yes, sir. Uh, wearing the, the new Broke ones. those out yeah, uh, today. Yeah. Is that a first? Uh, they never. I don't think they've ever done that. I, I don't they? think so either. Because a lot of people have yeah. been have been calling for it. You know, the, in the video that they put out, kind of announcing it, they pulled a, a tweet from uh, our colleague Chris Vanini from uh-huh. 2013, <laughs> saying that oh, MSU geez, okay. should uh, should wear Gruff hel- Gruff Sparty helmets um, eventually. Well, there you Seven go. Seven years later, they finally did it. So. <laughs> Seven years in the making, Chris gets his wish. Yeah. So there you go. But either way, so this game, Colton, obviously, no, uh, Mel Tucker didn't say anything about Rocky Lombardi or uh, Peyton Thorne. Lombardi went out of that last game uh, with an injury and didn't return. Thorne came in and obviously looked better. Uh, you know, you wrote on Saturday, and I, you know, we agreed upstairs. Like, there's no other. It's not even a question here. You kind of have to go forward with Peyton Thorne, given all things considered, especially you know, if, especially if Rocky can't play. But also, I would argue, you know. They've given Rocky Lombardi, I think every every more chances than I probably might have, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I think they've given him every chance, and the turnovers and the inefficiencies and the similar familiar mistakes haven't really gone away. And you know, while I think you're not going to get through a long stretch without Peyton Thorne probably making some mistakes, um, he does seem to be more under control. He's not as rushed, I don't think, is what I would say. Because Rocky at times looks very rushed. And Thorne, for a younger guy, looks to be more under control. And, uh, you know, I kind of like that. I think he made a couple nice throws in that game. Mm-hmm. And a couple nice runs in that game. Especially, I mean, he made that one underhanded shot that I liked yeah. in traffic. Where he kind of dodged around. and got It wasn't underhanded, but it was like the side Stafford. Arm. you know, yeah. Diff- yeah, the sidearm. So he's got some stuff. He's got a little game to him. And, um, you know, I it doesn't make any sense to me other than put him in there, let him start Saturday let him get a run in a in a visiting building and see what happens. That to me seems like the only the only answer here. Yeah, I mean, we're just at a different point in the season where I think it's justifiable yeah. in every way. I mean, you look at the beginning of the season, Rocky had put in work to improve and he was the upperclassman, you know, he was a veteran, great locker room guy. So I think all things considered, you know, I and I also heard that he was actually the best quarterback in practice. Sure. So, you know, he won the job and I think back then my whole philosophy was, yeah, give him a chance, see what he can do. Um, you know, the Rutgers game wasn't terrible. I know he had a bunch of turnovers, but he also completed, I think, close to 70% of his pass, maybe over 70% of his pass in that game. Came back the next week against Michigan, was just torching that secondary all game. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there was some some buzz about him early on in the season, but, you know, you it's all, it's all about what have you done lately, and he just hasn't done a ton ever since that Michigan game. Yeah. Um, there's Iowa where, you know, he was – Turned the ball over a lot. I think he had three interceptions and um, mm-hmm. had, had to be pulled from that game. Uh, really, the next two – so there's the Iowa game that he was pulled, Indiana he was pulled. I think uh, after the Indiana game, you could have made the move then, I think, yeah. to start Thorne. Like, okay, you've got you've given Rocky four starts. He's been benched in two of them. Like, maybe we can make a move now. They run him back out there for Northwestern. Not that he had a great game. I think it was 11 of 27 for like 166 yards and – yeah, two right. touchdowns on a pick right. in that game. So it's not like he really lit up the field, but you know you won, and maybe you feel like the upperclassman gives you the best chance to win some games late, so you you keep riding him. But I, I don't know. He came back the next week against Ohio State, did not look like himself, and really got 
you know, he got banged up and, and had to leave that game. That gave you the, the all all the chances in the world to put Peyton Thorne in that game and see what he can do. And that's what they did. And he, I thought he impressed. I thought he was a lot more under control, like you mentioned. And I think he reads the field more than Rocky. Like, we both mentioned this yeah. upstairs watching, like, Rocky, sometimes it looks like he's just closing his eyes and, and firing. <laughs> like, yes. Um, yes. Just to whoever he locks on on receiver, he's like, all right, I'm throwing it here. And a lot of times it doesn't work out well for him. So, Thorne, at least, you can tell that he's going through his progressions. You can tell that he's playing under control. He's got his guy, Jaden Reed, his high school teammate out there with him. They have a good connection. And his legs, you know, he scrambles a lot. Yeah. He's able to pick up yards. There are times that he's, he's turned what should have been sacks into like a 30 yard gain just by like great leaving point. leaving the pocket and and knowing when to run. So yeah, I think all those things considered like what more have you like do you need to see from from Rocky Lombardi to say okay this isn't the guy cuz they've given him six starts and mm-hmm. he's been benched in three of them. So <laughs> I don't know yeah. what else you need to see. Um and I think it's at this point in the season with one game left and then the crossover game why not just throw Peyton Thorne out there and see what he can do over the course of a full game. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, big time. I mean, great points all the way around. And when I look at quarterbacks in today's game, especially in college, um, you know, I look at the, I look at what what can you do when a play sort of breaks down and you have to now improv, you know, improvise. And Lombardi's improvisations in those moments um, are often like sometimes they work, but sometimes they are terrifying, yeah. and sometimes they're like. What are you doing, man? Like, where are you going? You don't. It's like you don't have a plan. Like, you can't. You can't be improvisational without a plan. You have to have a feel for where you're going. You have to have a feel for my eyes have to be up. I have to remain loaded. I have to be in a position to where I can pull this and run. Or if somebody pops open and runs with me downfield, I can rip, I can rip the ball. That is not something that I I feel like he's terrific at and I think that while he's younger Peyton Thorne seems to have a better at least so far from what we've seen and it hasn't been a lot it's just been a more natural feel for remaining calmer Mm -hmm. in those situations and you know that touchdown run I think was a was him avoiding was a designed run that he ran or was that a he's run out of a couple the touchdown was his own read but he also had a scramble that he picked up 31 on that's what I'm thinking the scramble so it's you know it's getting out of there and making something happen you know, after the play breaks, breaks down. And in a, in a situation like this with Michigan State, you know, they've got plays breaking. I mean, it just is what it is. They've got plays breaking down mm-hmm. pretty early, you know, <laughs> a lot. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to have some improv, but that's not unique to Michigan State now. I mean, that's college football. Yeah. That's, especially in a COVID world, my God, like, you know, the, the offensive line inconsistencies these days, you know, uh, you know, it's tough. I mean, especially when you get transfers and you get guys leaving early and you're starting over or guys get hurt. And your offensive line can get a little shaky and maybe confidence goes. And your quarterback has to be able to get you out of the fire. And he has to be able to get you out of the fire without adding gas onto it. And I think that Rocky Lombardi, as hard as he plays and as much as he seems to really want to win. and He you wants know, it. Yeah. And, yeah, badly. And and I think that he's a guy that I would say if, if it ends here and he never starts another game and he decides he's going to move on, 
I think I would, you know what, you pat him on the back and you say, I hope it works for you, man. Because like, I think you, maybe if you go somewhere and the fit is right, you know, maybe it really can take off. But I just, it seems like it's going to be a lot uh, here for him, you know, going forward to either promise, you know, you can't go into next season, certainly promising that. And, um, you know, you've got to look at all avenues uh, as we've talked about. So, you know, right now it's, it would seem to me that you let Peyton Thorne get as much time as you can going forward. You hope if you're Michigan State, you get that extra game too, that, yeah. that crossover game. And I would start them in both and just say, it's yours. And bad or otherwise, it's yours. You know, we're not going to pull you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even if you throw four picks, have at it. We're we're going to see how you handle a full game because that's the next step here. You need to see how he handles an, an entire game, you know, from start to stop. Yeah, and I think it's also just about trying to see what his upside is. You know, what can he bring over the course of a full game? And, and when you start him a couple times late in the season, like, to me, I, Thorne is a game manager in every sense of the word. Like, he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's not going to beat you. Like, both of his interceptions that he's thrown this year, and you can argue maybe him coming in cold had something to do with it, but and also being a retro freshman, but... Both of his interceptions, they weren't on wrong reads. They were just on, you know, a little bit thrown in front or behind. Like, the ball was there. The play was there to make. He just missed it. So, like, I think you can – like, the coaching staff has talked about this. Like, we can live with those kind of mistakes. The ones that we can't are when a a play is forced. You're throwing right to a defender that you just didn't see. Like, things like that, Um, which is what Rocky has kind of been doing, like, throughout the season. So, at this point in the year, I think it's time to make a change. You know, Mel Tucker said earlier this week, kind of talking about the quarterback competition, that – um, a quarterback has to be your number one competitor on a team. Uh, he looks yep. for accuracy after that and said, guys that can go through their progressions and read your defense and then getting the team out of bad plays and into good plays at the line of scrimmage. So, like, to me, you know, knowing Peyton Thorne's history and the story I wrote back on him, like, in early October about, you know, his high school days and things that he was doing back then, you know, if that translates to college, I think you might have a decent player on your, on your hands, a smart player at least, that's not going to beat you with some unforced errors and things yeah. like that. And at this point, that's what you're looking for. You want a quarterback that can that's not going to lose a game for you. He might not win it either, but he's going to put right. you in positions to score. That's what he did against Ohio State. They did not cross the 50 in that game until Peyton Thorne got in. And yeah. he yeah. got him in a couple of scoring drives. Um, you know, there are some other ones. You know, one of them was, was kind of delayed by a – or derailed by a – an interception that he threw, but they were still marching on that drive. So I don't know, maybe you put him in over the course of a game, see what he can do. And if he puts up some points and your defense kind of plays better than it had in past weeks, then you might have something, maybe see what you, what yeah. you have going to the off season. It's really that simple. Yeah. And you, you said another word in there that, or phrase that maybe has a negative connotation and it shouldn't is game manager. Right. Um, and it's, and it shouldn't because, you know, Justin Fields is a, is also a guy who manages a game. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't, yeah. you know, he can, he keeps them out of, trouble all the only difference is is he's a he's like a complete freak and like just amazing an amazingly talented player but that's what you're looking for right you're looking for a guy and you said it in the fourth bullet point um a guy who can get you out of trouble and keep you in the right play it's it's as much about being able to get you out of a bad play and into a proper or at least one with a better percentage chance of success Mm. uh you know both at the line of scrimmage in your reads and then in your progressions, you know, in the past game. And, you know, I, I would say that, you know, Lombardi certainly checks the box of being, you know, the best competitor on the team. Yeah. I, he might be. I mean, he might. He's up there, I would think. I think, so. um, I think he's probably okay, too, at, you know, seeing things pre-snap. I think that he's talked about, you know, a couple things over over the year that leads me to believe that he does a nice job of that. 
Um, but I do think the thing that gets him is that last one, which is, I think, the most important. It's he doesn't have, he hasn't shown enough of an ability to once the play starts, now what? Because that's really at the end, not, you've done all the things that a good student and a really hard worker is going to be able to do. But once the play starts, now we got to see it. And now you got to be a player. Yeah. And like Thorne, I think, just has a little bit more of that savvy in him and he's younger. So there we go. Is there anything else we're looking at here this weekend, Colton, that you're taking away or something else that you're honing in on? Because it feels like to me, they're still sort of in that mode of like, if we got any other guys out here that haven't got a chance, get them in there and let's <laughs> see what they can do. Because we only have so many more chances here to uh, go out there and compete. Um, I don't know. Like in terms of guys I'd like to see, I'd probably say Jordan Simmons. I, I think he was kind of banged up at some point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Hayward's been getting most of the snaps lately. I feel like um, putting Jordan Simmons out there would probably help you. You know, he's shown a, a good mm-hmm. burst through the hole and probably some better vision than the other running backs that we've seen so far. So... Maybe getting him out there on the field. Um, in terms of Michigan State, Penn State, um, you know, Penn State has been a program that's come to Michigan and taken recruits away from both Michigan State and Michigan. So mm-hmm. I think uh, if you can win a game like this, and maybe that's a recruiting chip that you can use and say, oh, well, these guys are real and look at them. <laughs> they're they're two yeah, and five right. right now or whatever. Um, yeah. When we we came in here and beat them, like just wait until you come to to our program. So. There's some right. things like that, and then um, obviously the Land Grant Trophy. You've got to talk about that, you know that big beautiful the trophy, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Land Grant Trophy. Also, this game's back on the last day of this. Well, I guess technically yeah, it the is. last day of I, rivalry. Yeah, I went through that whole yeah. song and dance earlier this week, but yeah, it's back on the last day, which I think it had been moved. Yeah, from the last day, so that's kind of cool. Like at least it'll be the final game of the season. There's there's no reason for Michigan State to play like Rutgers and Penn State to play Maryland right. on the last weekend, right. or and this alternate every year. There's no reason for that. I'm glad they they went back to this. Yeah. So if this thing continues into the the next week, um, I don't know how confident we are that Michigan State will have a game, uh, right? Like it's you look at it in that 18, 19, because I not that not that they'll be in bad shape COVID, but maybe their opponent. I don't know. Uh, you know, right now they're what they're two and four in league play, yeah. so that would be fourth and their crossover would be minnesota who i think is like done for the year basically right is that Probably. i don't know are they coming back are they going to try to play <laughs> uh so it'd, be, it'd yeah. be either minnesota or maybe illinois maybe it's looking yeah. like possibly i don't know i don't know how that that's a winnable work. game that's, if you can play it but that's the biggest question either of them would be yeah. winnable yeah i think if you could play it but i think that yeah i think that would have to still be maybe purdue i guess it depends on maybe this i don't know who else i don't know who's all playing and who's not this weekend <laughs> yeah. to be honest uh but same time, I guess we'll have to wait and see sort of how this all shakes out and if they can get that extra game in. Um, signing day, before we get out of here, Colton, mm-hmm. is next week. Um, are you expecting any uh, fireworks for signing day or anything that unforeseen that uh, needs to be hashed out or you know some things still waiting in the wings here? What are we looking at? I think a couple things. Um, I think uh, their top running back in the class, Adric Esme, who's a four-star guy. He's actually, like, you know, risen a lot in the rankings with the senior season. Just had a monster year. Uh, that New Jersey back. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if he's going to sign. He's still trying to trying to think about that. Notre Dame is actually making a push for him. Um, okay. They're in on some other running backs like Diamond Edwards and some other uh, really sure, talented yeah. guys. So I think he's kind of maybe their plan B. Um, but if it goes that way, they're, they're probably going to offer at some point. And I get the sense that uh, – He's really interested in that program, so he's a name to try to keep an eye on. Mel Tucker was talking about recruiting battles and if he expects everyone to sign in December. 
And he said, well, look, you know, not everyone will sign, but that's okay. Like, we're in this. Like, we're we're yeah. prepared to battle and fight for the guys that we want. And I actually wrote a story about that today, just trying to decipher some of the differences between Tucker and D'Antonio. Because D'Antonio was always a coach who was like, well, if you go visit another school, like, I'm, you know, we're done here. Right. You can just go, go to that school, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's not gonna. Um, Tucker is yeah. gonna be like, look, if we gotta wait until February to to win a recruiting battle, we're gonna do it. Like, we're gonna go after the guys that we want, and and those guys are gonna know that we want them. So mm-hmm. that's that's one name to watch in terms of already com- uh, committed players. Um, they are going after a four star linebacker. I'm gonna botch his name. Um, he is currently committed to USC. His name is Ma Gale Te- Te- uh, okay. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I got sorry, you. Yeah. Ma. I see him here. I, I, from uh, from Bishop Gorman, the outside yes, linebacker. Yes. Yeah. Um, so gotcha. he's a guy that I think Michigan State is trying hard to flip. Um, if you follow Crystal Balls, a lot of the national analysts have put yep. one in for Michigan State, and that that'd be a that'd really be a good, good get because they need some linebackers. Yeah. Like they're so oh, thin. Oh, yeah, that'd be a really good guy. And he's yeah. they could probably sell that. Yeah, he's ranked uh, I think number one fifty five in the country right now. So like mm-hmm. his brother was committed to. USC and played there a couple years, a former five-star, like, top 20 guy. He just entered the transfer portal. So, I don't know. I wonder if Mel's going to take a run at him, too. Like, you need all the linebackers you can get. If you can get those those brothers, I mean, like, that's a really good really yeah, good, uh, totally. good start for you guys. So, yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting. Signing day is coming up fast. That's kind of Mel Tucker Super Bowl. So, uh, we'll It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, and I think that that's what you're talking about. I mean, like, I don't know if, you know, somebody like, uh, somebody like this linebacker or somebody else, you know, if you're going to get – like a surprise signing, but like, yeah, I mean, he's right. You gotta, it's gotta be maxed out. It's gotta be the best it can be. I think that's the, that's the takeaway. And obviously that's gotta be it every time, but like, you know, he knows this, he's been around big time programs and worked inside of them. I mean, he knows how important, you know, if you've got, especially if you've got a kid that you think is, is even like, I don't want to say on the hook, but like even close to being on the hook, you've got to finish right now. Like you've got to be able to, make some kids change their mind early like this. And the only way you do that is by just sort of selling their selling that vision and sort of saying to a kid like this, like, you know, look, we need to be faster in the middle. We've got, you know, some older kids that are, you know, moving on. We've got some older kids that maybe won't be here. You know, we don't care if we have to play a freshman. I don't care. We need to be faster. We need to be faster right now. Yeah. And even if that's you coming in here and, you know, cranking it up in practice, as we see, you know, sort of what happens, then, you know, so be it. But that's obviously the message that will be sent. And we will see sort of how it goes. Colton, you got anything else today before we uh, ride out of here? Uh, I think I'm all good. Long live the, the uh, land-grant trophy. Long live the land-grant trophy. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be competed for through COVID could not stop the land-grant trophy. It's one of the only things left in our uh, world here that hasn't been stopped. So that'll be good to see that come out one way or the other. If it goes to Penn State or Michigan State, we'll see on Saturday uh, but until then, and after that, we'll be back to talk it all over. And I'm sure Colton and I will talk next week about what's all happening forward. Uh, maybe before signing day, after signing day, I don't know how it'll go. But uh, either way, we appreciate you guys listening to The Beat. Uh, be sure to check out everything Colton's got uh, this week on The Athletic. Same with myself. Uh, we've got a ton of Michigan State stuff, Michigan stuff. A lot of Lions stuff, too, for you football oh, yeah. uh, folks out there. we got a lot of stuff going on. We've we got a lot of things happening Busy here times. Uh, in Detroit as well. James Edwards is uh, writing about a new Pistons player about every 30 seconds still, <laughs> I think, right? Is that still going yeah, on? So we still got a lot of stuff happening. So be sure to check that out. If you're not a subscriber, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go ahead and get that remedied. And for those of you who are, we very much appreciate it. 
For everyone involved, thanks so much. Be sure to tip those bartenders and servers, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Place where I, I was born and raised. The place where I